And we welcome you on in to another episode of the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. It's Mitch Spinell alongside Mitchell Bala here to give you the latest in the world of athletics. Mitch, it's good to be back for a start of another week, man. We got uh, the start of the NCAA tournament. We got the ends of tournaments coming up here for our upcoming high school seasons. We have uh, a number of things to get to here, and I'm very happy to be back here hosting with you. Including the legal tampering period that is now open in the NFL, Mitch. We have news filtering in as we are speaking on this podcast, so we will be getting to that very, very soon. And before we do that, you know, obviously, you know where to find us now. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud, courtesy of Spotify for podcasters. We just received this news ourselves this past week. Anchor, the longtime trusted publisher, uh, not just for this podcast for me, but a number of shows I've worked on in the past. That is now being renamed Spotify for podcasters. So you can find us there. You can find us on those uh, platforms I just mentioned. And you can find us here on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit that bell to get the notifications as to when our newest episodes and our newest clips go out. And by the way, thank you all so much for really, really helping us out on those YouTube shorts and those TikTok videos, man. We like putting those together. We like making getting a little more creative with them. Uh, I like to throw like a couple of different things in there. And uh, we've been averaging about, what is it now, 1,500 views per YouTube short, a little less on TikTok, but still pretty solid. And uh, yeah, be sure to follow me on TikTok at Mitch Spinell and, uh, you know, at Mitch Spinell pretty much everywhere else, at Mitchell Bala everywhere else. But before we get into anything from the remainder of this show, we want to go through the schedule for the upcoming big time sports slate in this week. At Big Time Sports is our segment where we go over the schedule for Big Time Sports' television broadcasting. We start off with the Big Time Sports Show presented by Old Mellow Tones, Charlie Jones, every week. We have this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock and Friday at 10 p.m. The Lady Rebels softball team from Tuscarawas County will be traveling into the studio to check up with Charlie and talk about what's been going on with their squad. Now, as far as spring sports go, it's almost here, ladies and gentlemen. You can stay tuned for exciting baseball, softball, boys volleyball, other other actions here on Big Time Sports. Uh, you, it is coming your way from Ohio's biggest producer of high school sports. We will soon be releasing an 18-game schedule to, to please our fan base. Most games will be live streamed, so stay tuned to Big Time Sports. I mean, we've been you know making sure to cover all these teams throughout the years, and it doesn't stop this season. Mitch, who can we expect on the stark side of Big Time Sports this week? Well, Mitch, you mentioned the schedule that's coming up. And so what better way to start the spring season than talk to the Lady Vikings of Hoover High School. The softball team will be on the Big Time Sports Television Show. You can catch that Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday morning at 8.30 a.m. to see what's up with a team that made it to the Final Four last year in softball. Should be a good one there. And just to remind you all, you can check out these shows on your local cable listings, Spectrum Channel 15 or 989 and MCT 128 at the respective times we told you about. Uh, the Hoover Vikings squad will be on at 730 on t- Thursday and Saturday morning at 830, while the Lady Rebels will be on at Wednesday at 7 and Friday at 10. You can also check us out on WIVMTV.com. That is our web uh, listing for television broadcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at BTS Ohio, or check out Big Time Sports Ohio on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, go to our website, BigTimeSportsOhio.com. You can find our latest shows, uh, game broadcasts, articles, photographs there. Check it all out on Big Time Sports. So Mitch, I'm going to cough here before we start. There we go. All right, so we want to start off here with a lot of what's going on in the upcoming tournaments. 
We had the girls uh, basketball run down in Dayton this past weekend. We had the wrestling tournaments over at Value City Arena in Columbus, where one big thing that happened over this past weekend was we got to see for the fourth time in history, a girls wrestler win her a state championship before the first time it is certified by the OHSAA. Minerva's Elena Jackson, who's one of the most celebrated and most uh, accomplished wrestlers, not just in her school's history, but in the state history, boys or girls, took uh, the championship this past weekend over in Columbus uh, in the two, uh, I believe, 85-pound uh, division. Uh, she won her first three matches by pin to land a spot in the finals uh, where she was able to take the championship. So a very, very accomplished wrestler, a very, very successful career, Mitch. And it's kind of a, an amazing run that is very interesting for the first year in which uh, girls wrestling was sanctioned at the OHSAA tournament. Mitch, it's extremely amazing. I mentioned to you before we got on the show, I was not aware of it. I'm obviously not someone that follows wrestling a whole lot, even though we have a powerhouse up here, like the Perry Panthers, who are always a force to be reckoned with in terms of wrestling. But what an achievement here. And like you mentioned, the first year it is OHSA certified for uh, girls to be in the wrestling state tournament. And just, wow. I mean, what else can you say? When you go on uh, certain accounts on Twitter, you can actually see some of the matches and the highlights of the matches and just a tremendous showing and also just how remarkable it is. And um, there, there's always going to be people out there that, you know, why is it certified now when it wasn't at the end of the day, still, got it done state champ. I mean, it's, it's remarkable and there should be no shade thrown whatsoever because um, I think if I went out there, Mitch, I would lose every single time to her. Not only uh, did Jackson win her title or defend her title rather. And you mentioned some of the area schools that are powerhouses uh, around you. One would be Louisville who had a wrestler, Dominic Hoforth defend his title from last season. Uh, he was able to win a six to one decision over St. Paris Gramps, Eli Jacks. So all for the second consecutive season wins his state title. He also had a couple of runner ups in United locals, Dallas McCracken and Harrison Central's Lucas Thomas. So a number of, of great performances there down in Columbus. Then we go over to Dayton, where we had a couple of uh, unfortunately uh, some finals that came up just short for a couple of teams. You had uh, Highlands Girls Squad losing in uh, the Division Four state semifinals to Tri-Village. That won 51-34. The Patriots uh, uh, really just had a solid game against the Hawks and allowed just two points in the final eight mi minutes while they forced 12 uh, Highland turnovers on the contest. And then they go into the next game uh, against Toledo Christian and were able to complete the undefeated season by winning 52 to 50. So there's no shame in Highland losing, even though I'm sure they wouldn't have wanted to lose for the second consecutive season in the state semifinals. But you had Tri Village win the girls' title in Division Four this week. You had the uh, Division Three tournament where Columbus Afrocentric was was able to beat Chippewa 75 to 62. And you had in the Division One tournament. It was between Cincinnati Princeton and Olmstead Falls. The Princeton girls winning 69 to 51 to get the championship brought back to Cincinnati and then division two, you had the final between one of the two of the top teams in the entire division. And it just came down to one team 
kind of out uh, running the other at the end. Uh, Purcell Marion winning 57 to 48 to beat Canal Fulton Northwest. Northwest, its first ever trip to the state tournament. It was a really uh, uh, unbelievable season for them. But Purcell Marion had a bit of an advantage. They had the reigning Ohio Miss basketball and D. Alexander, a sophomore nonetheless. And, you know, the Indians, they fought hard. They just weren't able to quite muster up enough offense to get enough to win that game. I believe only four players put points on the board for Northwest in that contest. And Mitch, you look at it, Purcell Marion de- defending state champions in girls basketball. Last year, they were division three. This year, they move up to division two. Um, and so before I go any further, that kind of just brings a point that we might get into later the show or later down the road here this week that you're in a division, but jumping and going up to other divisions, Mitch, doesn't necessarily matter. There's a lot of talk out there about a certain team right now that is in a division four level that people think needs to be in division one because of how bad they're beating opponents. You can change divisions. We saw it with Hoban and St. Vincent, St. Mary and boys basketball this year. If you're a good basketball team, you're going to win. And also it doesn't go off of how you win your basketball game. So it goes off enrollment in that school for girls and boys. So I just feel like people that have been complaining, not viewers of our show, but on social media recently about certain teams just need to understand it doesn't go by wins and losses. It goes by enrollment numbers in your boys and girls at the school and that play that sport. But back to Northwest, it was nine to nine, Mitch. They were tied nine to nine after one with Purcell Marion. As great of a season as Northwest had, you mentioned this is their first time going into a place like this. Purcell Marion obviously had the experience and that does play a factor here. And that's why I think Purcell Marion was able to pull away. You mentioned D. Alexander, Miss Ohio in basketball, only a sophomore, which is for opposing coaches, just terrifying to think about how you're going to stop her the next two seasons. But Northwest not only got to their first state final four, Mitch, but then they beat an undefeated team to hand them their first loss of the season in the state semifinals and advance to the state final. A historic season for Northwest, a season of many first for the Northwest Indians and ultimately nothing to be ashamed of. They was 49 to 41. I saw with about a minute 59 to go in the game and you knew it was going to be tough for them to come back. They were able to score six more, but when you have to play a team like Purcell Marion, you have to send them to the line. They're going to make you pay. And that's ultimately what they did to win 57 to 48 for their second straight state championship. This time division two, instead of division three, Purcell Marion is a powerhouse. This is a, they've, they've been there numerous times in the past five, seven years. Um, But Northwest has nothing to be ashamed of. It was a historic run, a memorable run. And you look at someone like uh, Lily Bottomley, just a tremendous performer, performance for her too, as well in the state final four and into the state championship game. Um, Northwest had a historic season and they made Stark County very, very proud with this, this historic run and nothing to be ashamed of. And sometimes this is what you can build off of. And we'll have to wait and see obviously till next year, but Having to go up against a team like Purcell Marion, it was going to be tough. And they gave Purcell Marion their best punch. I truly believe that. Um, but all in all, you still walk away as the state runner-up this year in Division Two girls basketball. And hats off to Northwest, uh, the school, the community, and ultimately these, these ladies that left a legacy there that now other girls are going to want to try to match and potentially beat here in the future. I like that you mentioned legacy because there is a standard set with Northwest's run this year that could lead to potentially more down the line if the same talent can return while also getting some new uh, new, new players in on that system as well. But now we go from the girls' tournament to the boys' tournament, which is starting this coming Thursday 
at UD Arena in Dayton. It's been in Columbus for a number of years. It's been in Dayton the last couple of seasons. Uh, pretty good facilities over there. I've been there, I've been down to every state tournament since I want to say 2007. That was my first year. I remember going down there. Obviously, the 2020 uh, tournament did not happen. Uh, but we have a number of teams, uh, old and new, or return. I should say, familiar and new in the mix this year. One of these teams, the last one representing the IVC, the last one representing Tuscarawas County in general, Berlin Highland, who was able to pull off an unbelievable comeback against Northside Christian uh, this past weekend in Athens, to the point where Mitch Highland was down significant in, in at halftime. They're down 16 points, and I believe going into the fourth quarter it was down 37 to 24, but they were able to build their way back to what would be a 41-point performance over the final two quarters. So now the Hawks, back in the state tournament once again, trying to repeat the success they've had in the last couple of seasons, particularly back in 2011 and 2012. They will take on Convoy Crestview in, I believe, the third game of the day on Thursday over in Dayton. Uh, you'll see that matchup at 515. You will see after that the Division Four matchup between Rusi and those Richmond Heights players, Mitch, that we saw not only dismantle Cornerstone Christian 93 to 52, they beat Doughton at the field house 81 to 48 on Saturday. Rusi beat Jackson center 27 to 25. Like that's very good defense, but you got to get some points on the board. If you're going to have a chance against the likes of Heights. And they scored seven points in the second half to win that state or excuse me, regional final game, Mitch. Wow. Their defense is phenomenal. But now you are going to see, you always hear defense wins championships, but sometimes a better offense wins. Now it's going to really be put to the test. A team that scored 27 points and held their opponent to 25 in a regional final is going to go up against Mitch. Let's be frank here. Really probably the favorite in Division 4 to win the state championship, a team that won it last year and has now won 47 games in a row in the Richmond Heights Spartans, a team that you mentioned, 93 points in the regional semifinal, 81 points in the regional final. Um, they played Dalton. Dalton, I mean, Mitch, we know how talented Richmond Heights is. The odds were stacked against Dalton. They gave it their best chance, uh, obviously, with Justin Greenfelder leading the charge for Dalton just wasn't enough. And now Richmond Heights is going for back-to-back -back state championship game appearances, looking to win their second consecutive. We'll have to see what, what's better. Is it going to be the good defense or is it going to be the better offense? And I'm intrigued to see what this matchup is. And obviously from big time sports, we're hoping that uh, Berlin Highland can get to the state championship game. And we'll have to see if they get past convoy uh, Crestview and then who they would potentially be playing then on Saturday at two o'clock. Should it be Heights, that'll be a matchup of last year's Division Four regional or state semifinal, which Heights was able to get past Highland and route to the championship. Uh, we also have Holman representing Summit County in the Division One semifinals. They'll be taking on Toledo-St. John's on Friday night, the last game on Friday. And before that, we'll see Centerville take on Pickerington Central. The winner of that game will play the winner of Holman and Toledo-St. John's. Holman coming off a dominating performance over Walsh Jesuit 56 237. Yeah, Mitch, it was a very dominant showing up at Kent State University uh, this past Saturday. And really, this is a team now that's last year in Division Two, I believe, or no, I'm sorry, excuse me, Division One. Yeah. Made a deep run. And now they're back and looking to 
continue this hot run and they play a Toledo St. John's team. That's also very hot. A team that really Mitch going off their seed in their district bracket. A lot of people didn't expect them to be here right now in the state final four. Hoban though, you mentioned was some very impressive wins They they defeated St. Ed's 44 to 40 in a very low scoring affair between two very solid and top-notch programs here in Northeast Ohio. And then 56, 56 to 37 over Walsh Jesuit who narrowly squeaked by Stowe in that regional semifinal game, 63-61 in overtime. Hoban is hot. I wouldn't want to see them, but at the same time, so is St. John's, and that's what makes this time of the year so special in high school basketball, and then what we're probably going to talk about later on the show in college basketball and the big dance in March Madness. But a lot of intriguing matchups. Pickerington Central, Mitch, a lot of talent there year in and year out, a team very familiar with the state tournament, and they're back now looking to advance to the state championship game I'm excited to see how this all plays out. Yeah, for reference, we have Toledo St. John's beating uh, Perrysburg in the Region 1 semifinal, 47-42, to 42, and then they would later go on to beat Garfield Heights, 50-38, to 38, to get to where they are now. And then as far as the other matchups go, in Division 2, we have Rocky River Lutheran West versus Dayton Chaminade Julien. Uh, that game will be at 1045 on Wednesday. These will be the opening games of the of the upcoming tournament. And then at two o'clock that day, we have Columbus Bishop Bishop Reedy against Akron Bookdoll, a team that's kind of been in and out of the tournament the last couple of years. And they are back once again for another uh, potential run. I'm very curious about this squad. And how about their win over Gilmore Academy, Mitch? Gilmore, a team that was in the state final four last year that returned a lot of players. And really, I think, if you were looking at it on paper, you'd have to say that was the team most people thought would get back there and booked a, with a very impressive win at the civic center on Saturday afternoon, 71 to 55 to end the hopes of uh, Gilmore Academy going back to Dayton, Ohio and booked really Mitch just really has caught fire recently. You mentioned they take on Columbus uh, Bishop ready, just a lot of excitement for all these teams here still. And it's going to make for a fascinating few days in Dayton, Ohio in the divisions one, two, three, and four, state semifinals and state championship game D- really quick did i mention afrocentric won the girls uh division three tournament i feel like i might have at the beginning of the show well if i didn't that's because i wanted to reference it because in our next batch of games in division three we have ottawa glandorf taking on uh afrocentric the nubians were able to beat garraway en route to the tournament they just beat south point 55 to 38 so we'll see two familiar foes in there as well familiar for the state tournament and then canal winchester harvest prep will play cleveland heights lutheran east in the division three uh semifinal games a lot of games we played this weekend over in dayton a lot of basketball to be watched and i am here for it along with as you mentioned mitch uh, a tournament that we will get to here very soon after we come back from break here on the big time sports podcast show hey there folks this is mitch spinell and i want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988 if you don't know what 988 is it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis this is different than a medical fire or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately 988 connects you with stark county's crisis center which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experiencing a mental health or addiction crisis so remember 911 for medical fire and police emergency help and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in stark county 
Buying a home has never been so affordable with record low interest rates. Hartzler's Quality Housing is ready to put over 40 years of experience to work for you. Family owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's has a wide selection of model homes on site with a knowledgeable team to help make your new home a reality. Open six days a week, visit them off I-77 in Dover or online at Hartzler's.com. Hartzler's Quality Housing, quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. You invest a lot in your home and vehicle purchases. Van Nostrin Young & Associates want you to feel secure should anything happen to those investments. We partnered with providers like Grange Insurance and other industry leaders to be sure you're presented with the most complete coverage to fit your needs. Because we're not only here to protect the items you invest in, we're here to protect your future as well. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level eight. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Vive Auto Sales, located on West High Avenue in New Philadelphia and Cleveland Avenue in Canton, is a used car dealership committed to getting financing for everyone. We give every customer that walks in our showrooms a prime buying experience, no matter their credit score or financial situation. Current inventory can be viewed at www.wefinancenow.com. Check out our Facebook pages for the most up-to-date information about upcoming events and promotions happening at Vive Auto Sales. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching, and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to velosportsohio.com. Hey, we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell, Mitchell Bala. Mitch, I don't know if you've ever bought anything on the internet and it came, and it came to your house and it uh, didn't come exactly the way you expected it to. Uh, I don't know if you've had that experience before, but I bought these stickers on uh, on a site the other day and I made like custom of our logo uh, but the problem was they only came in at like two inches by two inches like I can't really do anything with them uh, I did put one on my my bottle here but I, I'm probably just gonna 
I don't know what I'm going to do with these now. I'm probably either going to give them to you or maybe we'll do a giveaway here. And let us know to you, uh, the, the people listening, if you guys would buy uh, big time sports stickers bigger than these, I would assume, like probably, I don't know, four inch by four inch. Is that probably what the dimensions are? I would say it's a good, good spot. Not too big, but not too small. You can still stick it somewhere. And a lot of people are into the stickers on their laptop, Mitch. I know I was in college. So somewhere you can place them where it's not too egregious and to a point where it covers up a lot of other things, but also to where you can make a statement that you listen to the big time sports podcast show and you watch or listen to big time sports. Exactly. I used to have like a bunch of gaudy uh, stickers that I'll, on my laptop in college. And I'll tell you about after the show, but we want to start talking right now about uh, the NFL tampering period, which is officially passed on this uh, Monday. Teams can now officially talk to these players and make deals. I don't, I mean, we, we know that they're probably talking about it before, but they can't do it officially. Well, now there's a bunch of stuff coming in, but there was uh, one uh, thing that I was kind of looking into that broke. I think it was this morning was that uh, Deshaun Watson's contract with the Browns is changing somewhat. Uh, the Browns have restructured Watson's massive contract prior to the legal tampering window opening Monday at noon. Uh, it was expected to give executive VP of football ops and GM Andrew Barry the ability to fill needed holes in the offseason by converting most of Watson's $46 million salary to a signing bonus. The Browns create nearly $36 million in salary cap space, turning a $13.5 million overage into approximately $20 million in cap room for the 2023 season. Now, obviously, this is a very interesting move. Now, Watson, you know, isn't coming off his best season, coming off of two years of layoff. You know, a lot of public pressure going on and, and uh, everything that's been happening. This I keep hitting the mic the last few episodes. But um, with Watson coming off of this year and the Browns seemingly kind of working around some of his money to ensure that they can work the roster around him. I mean, I, it seems like an obvious good move for the Browns, but what do they what moves they need to make with that? restructuring in order to uh, bolster the offense or just the team in general around their QB. I think that any Browns fan, Mitch, you and I included, we know where some of our strengths are and where our weaknesses are. And I think you first have to figure out what you want to address where, right? Obviously freeing up $36 million in cap space is huge because now if you want to, you can go sign one free agent for a lot of money of a big name, or you could sign a few free agents using all that money. And then if you're going to do that with the defense, maybe look for wide receiver help in the draft or vice versa. I think we all agree that the Browns need to find another wide receiver, a speedster on the outside uh, to complement Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. We know that was supposed to be Anthony Schwartz. Obviously, it has not been the turnout that us Browns fans were hoping. I think the Browns are going to go for proven help on the defensive line and possibly at safety, Mitch, because I think that's the one that is not only the most vital because you have a top and elite edge rusher in miles Garrett. But we also saw last year that when the quarterback had time to throw in the pocket, he was able to pick apart our secondary that I think is very, very solid. Now, could that have been the defense we were running? Sure. That is obviously a legitimate argument to be made, but at the same time, Mitch, there's already been rumors of certain players. The Browns are interested one of a Cleveland product and Ohio state product, Draymond Jones. That is, a free agent from the Denver Broncos that I know a lot of people are high on, but I would hope the Browns take this money and go out and get two or three big signings. I'm not saying for long deals at all. I'm saying they need to get two or three proven guys or guys with high energy, high motors to be able to stick on the defensive line and, or at safety, obviously with the Browns getting rid of John Johnson, the third, 
I think the Browns now with that money freed up with the restructure of Deshaun Watson's uh, cap hit in his contract are in a very, very good spot. And it also depends on what other moves are made around the NFL, Mitch, which I know we're going to get in here too, but now just coming across my feed is a star player now requesting permission to seek a trade in the NFL. So these type of things always can end up shaking out differently because if a player is unhappy, Mitch, it means he could potentially be available. Now I'm not talking about us being interested in the star player that just requested a trade or asked permission to look for a trade, but the domino effects of that, if a team goes for a player of a high magnitude that also was looking to go after defensive players, or maybe now they have to cut veteran defensive players. That is a nice spot you're in where you pretty much have your roster intact. You know, you have to address really three needs on your team. Indeed. And I like how you're, when you restructure Watson's contract, it basically just puts in a, in a concentrated <laughs> three-year stretch where Watson's going to be making nearly $64 million per season from 2024 all the way to 2026. And then you have a voidable year in 2027. It's only around $9 million. This year, it's going to be just over 19 mil uh, without the restructuring this year it would have been 55 million. So he gets, they kind of get to break it down a little bit there, but you, you, you said it, they have major holes in the defensive line. They need to get some speed and experience the wide receiver core. Mari Cooper. I don't know if he can be your number one. He can be a number one, but I don't think, you know, if in this case you need him to be, to always be the number one, that's always getting double coverage. That's always uh, the one that's on focus. And I don't know where they're going to go in free agency. I can't imagine it being uh, via making broker brokering a deal to go for DeAndre Hopkins in Arizona. It, that seems very kind of like out of left field. I was thinking it's out of left field for them to re-sign Odell Beckham, who had a workout this past weekend in Arizona. Multiple teams were there, including Cleveland. I l- Listen, listen, listen. Before you roll your eyes, Mitch, I'm not saying that it's gonna, likely going to happen. There was a report from uh, Sports Illustrated today who I said uh, that said he's unlikely to sign with the Browns per source. I believe that was uh, Noah Weisskopf who wrote that. But... It's an interesting thought because that's it's a different team from what you saw in the Baker Mayfield era. And we'll get to Baker in a second, but it that's such a hard way to 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 reunite, especially with the way you guys broke up in the first place. So again, I can't imagine that happening, but who knows? Mitch, she never wanted to be here in the first place. I don't think there's any shot the Browns would even think about reuniting him. Yes, obviously the quarterback situation is different. But let's also remember, yeah. this is somebody that had Jay Glazer on his side with the whole come get me reports. Uh, there was news that broke recently that he kind of wanted Jay Glazer to try to help facilitate a trade as soon as he got to Cleveland, whether that is true or not. The fact that it's even out there is concerning. There's also the whole article of Von Miller telling uh, whatever media it was that Odell Beckham told him not to come to Cleveland. You don't want a guy like that. Uh, and also, Everybody that's glorifying his workout tape that got, you know, released this weekend. He was making catches against no defenders with one hand in shorts and a cutoff or no shirt at all. But he's a lot okay. more, but he's a lot more muscular. Oh, but oh, really? Shoot. Okay. Never mind then. Yeah, said- we gotta go because nothing has ever gone wrong when you see a player at a pro day or a workout throwing against air and nobody on defense in shorts. Nothing's ever gone wrong. Right. Like Zach Wilson. Right. He's Nothing. a great quarterback. That Never. Did phenomenal in his pro day. And the Jets love him now. That's their quarterback of the future. Right. Yeah. OK. They love him so much that they might even be trying to broker a deal for Aaron Rodgers here. And I think we might have talked about in the last episode. It really just seems like at this point it's down to Rodgers determining whether or not he actually wants to go. And 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 
you know, we're going to figure out what's going to happen there. I'm surprised we didn't see anything come out today, but I think we're going to still see Watson take up a little more time to really make a final decision. I mean, other some of the stories we're, we were getting to here, uh, the Broncos having trade talks about receivers, J- Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler and Cortland Sutton, and they're asking for high prices. That's a lot to be giving up when you're trying to restructure the offense. Uh, the Ravens releasing defensive and Calais Campbell. That's something there. I'm happy that my group chat is, you know, filling me in on all the, all the stories here. Uh, the chargers are expected to pursue former Brown safety, John Johnson. Uh, that would reunite Johnson with Brandon Staley from their days with the LA Rams. Uh, the bears targeting right tackle, Mike McGlinchey. They hope the two sides hope they can get a deal done. Um, you know, the bear, yeah, you have something. I was going to say the Bears also plan to sign uh, free agent linebacker TJ Edwards. Yes. So the Bears making moves. And Mitch, we didn't even get to talk about the Bears yet. Over the past weekend, the yes. Bears traded the number one overall pick. Yep. So the Bears traded the number one overall pick to the to the Carolina Panthers, uh, I believe on Friday evening at 5 o'clock, because of course, uh, for this year's first round and second round picks for Carolina, which are at numbers 9 and 61. So, you know, within the top 62. Uh, they also have the first round pick for Carolina next season, 2024, their second round pick the following season, 2025, and then uh, wide receiver DJ, DJ Moore. Moore. Yeah, I almost forgot the name there. Thank you. But um, a lot of people were saying that the Panthers might have gotten fleeced for this pick because it's such it's an interesting haul. I think the, the, the DJ Moore thing makes it interesting for me because that was your number one targeting receiver when you're in yep. Carolina. And now that you're Carolina, no matter who you bring in as your Quarterback could be really good, could be Dan Marino right out the gate, but that's without really any considerable receiving threats and not much run game. Uh, you're already you're taking an offense that looked bleak last season and making it look even bleaker. It's weird. And this is also a team last year that got rid of whether you think he's a good wide receiver too or not. They got rid of Robbie Anderson. Mitch, you're now what is presumed to be the Panthers taking a quarterback at number one overall. Mm-hmm. Obviously a lot of people, CJ Stroud. There's a lot of people that think it's Anthony Richardson. Some people think it could still be Bryce Young. We'll have to wait and see who are they going to throw to? We've all, we've seen this a lot, right? We've seen it firsthand with our Cleveland Browns drafting quarterbacks in the first round. You have to be able to surround them with a good supporting cast. Now that's not to say that a quarterback like Stroud or Richardson can't make the wide receivers around them better, right? But this is the NFL. There are, Obviously, very good defensive backs and safeties in the league that can shut down top end wide receivers already. You're not really setting your quarterback up for success. However, there is something to this, I think, for the Panthers. We have already talked about Lamar Jackson. Even though the Panthers said they're out, Mitch, I still call BS on that because I think a lot of teams are interested in Lamar Jackson. Drafting a rookie quarterback buys a head coach a little more time, I think. And I think that's why the Panthers went this route to get the number one pick, have the pick of anybody in the draft at quarterback. And it may buy Frank Wright and the Carolina Panthers front office another year or two of flexibility instead of going out and getting, let's just say Carr was still a free agent, of going out and getting Derek Carr or Lamar Jackson or Rodgers or Jimmy G. Whereas if you have a proven quarterback and your team isn't good, the seat starts to get a little bit hotter. And so I think that is the silver lining to this. But Mitch, I think the Bears made out great. You finally get a wide receiver number one, which I believe the stat was there. Had DJ Moore been a Bear, he would already own the most receptions and receiving yards in his first however many years he's been in the league. I don't have that off the top of my head. uh, That he's had in Carolina in Bears history. And so now you have DJ Moore. You have Chase Claypool. 
whether you loved the trade or not, a lot of people still think that the Bears were, you know, idiotic to make that trade. And Equinemius St. Brown. I mean, now you have three wide receivers that it's not a top wide receiver room in the NFL, but it's a respectable one. And you're finally starting to surround Justin Fields. And now the Bears, with those picks they got, Mitch, they can address all the other needs because the Bears weren't, oh, we need one wide receiver and we're there. The Bears were, we need wide receivers, we need offensive line help, we need defensive help. And now accumulating all those picks, they can actually go out and do that. We've already seen they're signing some players in free agent and free agency. And who's to say maybe the Panthers trade back from nine to 11 or nine to 12 and just get another pick somewhere. This is really interesting. And I'm also just extremely intrigued to see who the Carolina Panthers take number one overall. I, it's going to be tough because I've been looking at where they might go. And if you're Carolina, you want a guy who can operate with not much working on his offense, but you want somebody who I think can, can, can step onto an NFL field and look ready. And to me right now, it's going to sound like Ohio State bias, but I think C.J. Stroud might be the best of both worlds when it comes to those two subjects. Bryce Young, I some people, I, 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 I somewhat agree on this. I think Bryce Young made a bit of a mistake by not throwing at the combine. Yes, you could say uh, he was coming off an injury and just wanted to preserve himself, but really it was that combine, and I know what you said about throwing in shorts in a dome, That, but every year a lot of people get suckered into those guys who actually do throw and actually showcase their arm or talents or their accuracy guys like CJ Stroud and especially Anthony Richardson are able to make their draft cases in the combine. So when you have young, who's still pretty of small stature, even compared to some guys who have been known as great quarterbacks in the league, Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, who are just a hair taller or a hair heavier than him. And you have Anthony Richardson, who I think can be a very solid quarterback. If he just gets these certain tangibles just down in the way that like Josh Allen got them down after his first couple of years in the NFL, he could be great. But the Panthers need somebody that I think can step in a little bit now to like, you know, keep the boat afloat. And then once you have all the holes plugged in on the boat, you can really start sailing in the next couple of years if the front office can make some good moves around him. Granted, I don't think they can make uh, that fast of a turnaround like Buffalo did. But I think Stroud might be your safest bet because he's proven himself to be a very solidly skilled quarterback and also a very tough quarterback. We saw what he was able to do in that in that uh, playoff game against Georgia of all teams. Georgia, yeah. who made the team in the championship game look like a Division three school. And I think ultimately it depends what do the Panthers want to do offensively. Mitch, I have it pulled up right here. With the departure of DJ Moore, the Panthers wide receivers on the roster right now under contract. LaVisca Chenault, Terrence Marshall, Preston Williams, and Shai Smith. Those aren't number one type wide receivers. But this is a new coaching staff in there with a new head coach, Frank Wright. Obviously, a new front office in there. If they want to be able to have the pro-style offense throwing the football, then it is C.J. Stroud. But to your point, with the departure of all, with the wide receivers on the roster now, the departure of D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, and Christian McCaffrey last year, do they need a quarterback that can improvise? Because obviously as Ohio state fans and us watching Stroud over the past two seasons, we know he does not run a lot. He doesn't like to run a lot. Now he did that in the college football playoff game. We'll wait to see if that's something, but Anthony Richardson uses his legs a little bit more and is more effective using his legs. So if the Panthers say, look, we need to get a quarterback that we think can, we can mold. That is not, not a project, right? Cause if he was a project, he wouldn't be a number one conversation for the number one overall pick. 
but somebody we can have improvised to make plays last longer until we get him the skill guys we need on the outside. Maybe it's Richardson, but I truly believe it's Stroud or Richardson. I would, I would really be shocked if they went with Bryce young here with an number one overall pick. And Mitch, it goes back to my point I made last week. If you're the Houston Texans now, you still have to find the right guy out of the other guys available. But I think the pressure is kind of off you now, because if you wanted Stroud or Richardson, they go number one overall, you get the next best guy. And it's not, you took the guy you thought was best and you swing and miss. The Texans, I think, are still in a great spot, number two overall. And hey, if they want Young the entire time and he falls there, you still win if you're Houston. But a very intriguing trade. A team I don't think we really talked about jumping up to number one spot. I feel like it was always maybe Houston. Yep. Could it be Indy? Possibly Baltimore if you know Lamar had found somewhere quickly to go. Yeah. And the Panthers jump up there and they're going to take a swing in hoping they can find their first franchise quarterback since Cam Newton a number of years ago. There may be some developing stories here in the last couple of hours that might impact what the Texans do because Adam Schefter reported an hour ago that uh, the Texans and the Raiders, Texans and Raiders are expected to pursue former 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Jets could also get in, but they're in wait and see mode right now. They're basically in wait and see what Aaron Rodgers does mode right now. Jimmy G, and there's a whole other thing too, where there's a report he wants $25 million a season. Sure. There's that move. And I'm also seeing a move that came in just a couple of minutes ago. That's very fascinating from me and Rappaport. Jarrett Stidham who was the backup quarterback for the for the Raiders last year under Derek Carr, who kind of came in, took over, signing a two-year, $10 million deal with the Denver Broncos, $5 million guaranteed. D- does, that, does that bode for the Raiders that Jimmy would probably have more of a better chance to go there than he would with Houston to you? I think it's it says that for Jimmy Garoppolo and also our good friend of the show, Baker Mayfield. Obviously, we know Tampa Bay this past weekend, Mitch, was rumored to be interested in Baker Mayfield to be the starting quarterback and battle it out with Kyle Trask, also Jacoby Brissett, but let's stay with the Raiders. I think by letting that happen, they show that whatever quarterback they go after, whether it is Jimmy G or Baker, who, let's remember, Josh McDaniels flew down and met during the draft when Baker was selected number one overall and told Baker, you know, if you fall to us, the Patriots were really interested in taking you. Maybe that was the, you know, the guy who takes over after Tom Brady. I think by them doing this, this gives them a little more leeway in saying, Hey, look, if you go to Houston for one year, $25 million, cool, but that's it, right? They're drafting a guy behind you that he's going to start eventually. I mean, you're not going to bench a guy number one overall for a number of years with how much you have to pay him in the signing bonus. I do think if you're the Raiders, it is Jimmy G or Baker. And maybe this is how they can potentially get Baker away from Tampa because Tampa did say it would be a battle with Kyle Trask where now it's, Hey, Jimmy G or Baker, you sign here, you're QB one at the start of the 23, 24 season. And I think that does play a factor for both those quarterbacks. Cause remember Jimmy G was, he's not coming back to San Francisco and, Oh, they signed him and he's not starting. Then he was thrusted in. Once Trey Lance went down right. And Baker, we know obviously from his days in Cleveland wants to be a starting quarterback and thinks he is a starting quarterback. And we know the relationship him and Josh McDaniels have. So it's very interesting to see Jarrett Stidham leave for another team in the division that already has their quarterback in Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. But I think the Raiders let him go for the very reason that you're alluding to Mitch to say, Hey, whichever guy we're going after your QB one. And that's it. 
Yeah, I was curious about that report that came in that the Buccaneers might be targeting on Baker, not only Baker, but uh, former Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett. That, that'd be interesting to see if Tampa Bay wants to go short term with uh, their quarterback scenario because it's hard for them to really sign a long term guy right now. You can't really go to the draft, can't get really the fringes that you may want. But right now, I'm, I'm kind of seeing where Tampa Bay is. I, I think they might actually have a better chance of landing Jacoby than they might for a guy like Baker, which is very interesting because Jacoby, you just said that a year ago, you thought, nah, no way. But Jacoby, boosted his stock somewhat with the way he played in Cleveland this past season and having to fill in. And I don't know. I could see Tampa Bay making that move over them choosing Baker. But then where does would that leave Baker going? Because if you don't see him going to the Raiders, you don't see him going to the Buccaneers. Is there – do you maybe go back to the Rams? Do you, do you sign with another team? Where, where Are you stuck? Do you go to the Rams with the quarterback that kind of made you look good when she got there midseason? Do you go to the Niners, who, if they lose Jimmy G, are going to be in the market for a backup quarterback? Because right. we know Purdy, we'll have to wait and see, but it kind of looks like yeah. the injury, he might not be ready to play at all this year because that's a significant injury to your throwing arm. Mitch, what do the Jets do? What if Aaron Rodgers decides to retire? Do you go back to Zach Wilson? Because really where the Jets are at right now kind of reminds me where the Browns were last year with Baker and Watson. And Baker's saying, well, if you're going after another quarterback, I don't want to play here. Do the Jets maybe go get a big personality in the media, a guy that's going to draw all the eyes on New York in Baker Mayfield? Who knows? I mean, there's plenty of teams out there that are still quarterback hungry. Washington's another team, and who knows? What do the Ravens do? Do they really trust Tyler Huntley? And if they do, do they go after someone like a Baker Mayfield? There's so many things that could possibly happen right here with this quarterback market in a quarterback driven league and starved league with some of these teams that nothing's out of the question. I, I mean, there's a few teams obviously that he's not going to go to that already have their quarterback or have proven backups, but we'll wait and see because if I'm not mistaken, did the backup quarterback who will not be named because he tortured me in the playoffs in Kansas city retire? Why would you not want to go learn under Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes for a year? What's wrong with that? I mean, Baker Mayfield's in a spot right now, Mitch, where he had two really good seasons, two and a half horrendous seasons. If you're Baker and you can't get a starting spot right now, I would go to either the Chiefs if they're willing, the Raiders, or excuse me, the Rams or the Niners that have these offensive guru coaches and see if they can work something out for you to where the next year you can go sign with another team because every year, there's going to be teams that are desperate for quarterbacks. Let us know to you the list. Let us know the listeners, you guys, who you think that uh, Baker Mayfield should be signing with uh, for the upcoming season. We got a number of uh, other reports here to uh, to get to, and uh, you have something here right as we are uh, speaking. Yes, and it kind of hurts the Browns because former Eagles defensive tackle Javon Hargrave, who the Browns oh. were reportedly interested in, has reached an agreement on a four-year, eighty-four million dollar contract that includes 40 million guaranteed at signing with the San Francisco 49ers. Wow. Because the Niners already have a great defensive front. That's scary. But also Mitch, I wanted to make sure we touched on quickly before we moved on. Austin Eckler has asked the chargers for permission to seek a trade after they wow. have not reached a long-term extension. I believe he's owed 6.25 million in the last year of his contract with the chargers. You're talking about one of the top, running backs also that can catch out of the backfield. Um, obviously 
I know it's not strictly football related, but talking about fantasy, he's a guy that's up there every year because of the production he has in the backfield of being able to run and catch passes. He wants a long-term deal. And now it looks like the chargers are going to give him permission to try to find his real market value out there and see if a team will trade for him, which is very, very odd in my opinion, because they just got Kellen Moore to go there to help that offense that faltered in the wild card round in Jacksonville and blew that ginormous lead because they couldn't move the ball. This would be a huge blow for the chargers. If Austin Eckler does find a team that would like to trade for him. He's coming off the best season of his career where he had over 900 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns on the ground, and then 107 catches for 722 yards in the air uh, and five receiving scores. So 1,600 all-purpose yards. Uh, you got uh, combining 18 touchdowns. That's a very good season for a guy that kind of plays in the middle of the backfield and the receiving core. That's why I think he doesn't really get uh, kind of the praise you would think of when you think about like top NFL running backs because he also focuses a lot of his attention on the receiving as well. And as for Hargraves, not only do you lose him if you're Philadelphia, you're going to lose uh, uh, TJ Edwards as well. That's probably not going to be the only people they lose on the defense for Philadelphia, which is a very a big shame because the defense played a big, big part of that Super Bowl run. But uh, we'll see where these uh, talks go as the day continues. And we will continue this show right after this break here on Big Time Sports. The Furby Electric Supply Company has bright ideas for your home. Save money by converting to energy-efficient electrical products or add ambiance with beautiful lighting features. It begins with a professional consultation and a visit to the Furby Lighting Showroom. Then certified Furby contractors complete your project right and on time. Since 1934, four generations have built a reputation of quality and trust, and they offer emergency services too. Just visit Furby.com. That's F-U-R-B-A-Y. The Furby Electric Supply Company. You asked for it and we listened. Buckeye Career Center is now offering certified nail technician as an adult education program. This 216 hour course begins in November and will run Tuesday through Thursday evenings from 5 to 9 p.m. Learn manicures, pedicures, infection control, salon operations, and more. Other part-time certification courses starting this fall include phlebotomy and welding. Call 330-339-2288 to register or visit BuckeyeCareerCenter.org for more information. If you're looking for a new or pre-owned car or truck, why not see the Parkway Auto Group? Parkway is a special group of automotive experts with eight brands to satisfy your needs. Come see the difference at the Parkway Auto Group on Commercial Parkway in Dover. Eight brands and one family. It's Parkway Auto Group. Fall is in the air and part-time career enhancement courses at Buckeye Career Center are on the horizon. Registration is now open for introduction to beekeeping, basic small engine repair, and sign language. These part-time offerings run on Tuesday evenings and begin in November. Let Buckeye Career Center help you learn a new skill or advance your current skill set. Call 330-339-2288 for more information or to reserve your seat in one of these or our other part-time classes. You matter. Everyone plays a part. We all have a role. Each of us can make a difference. You do matter, and the best way to have a positive impact is to pay it forward. With each of us helping one another to cope, feel better, and know that we belong. Pass on the positivity today. Tell someone else they matter too. Alt Care. Alt Care. We all have 206 things in common. Our bones keep us up and moving. 
And we at Cleveland Clinic Union Hospital care about every single one of them. From the tip of your finger to a brand new hip, our orthopedic experts will keep you going while keeping you safe. For every break and breakthrough, for every bone and joint, for every care in the world. Get the care you need when and where you need it. Visit unionhospital.org. Hey, welcome back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Mitch Spinell and Mitchell Bala. You know, Mitch, it's uh, we've been talking about the tournaments early on in the show. We were talking about wrestling and basketball on high school level, but it is now time for one of my favorite times of the year, and that is the upcoming tournament that is known as the Madness in March. NCAA tournament is officially back. Yesterday, we saw Selection Sunday. We saw the conference championships wrap up. We saw the alma mater of mine, Kent State, close out a men's tournament victory over the Toledo Rockets, and Toledo got the girls a win over uh, everyone else as well. So it balances out in my house. So Kent State will represent Ohio, one of two schools, along with Xavier, to be in the NCAA tournament this year. And Mitch, these are just two teams in Ohio. We have the rest of the 60-some-odd teams to get to here, some of them powerhouses in their conferences and the rest of the country here as we pull up this bracket that I can try and get here on my screen. And it can't, of course, right when I need it, it doesn't come up. So we'll get to that in just a second. But I mean, you look at some of the matchups you have here where your one seeds are Alabama, Houston, Kansas, and Purdue. I mean, very good teams throughout the year. You take uh, one of the, you have to take one of those one seeds to win this title this year. Who are you taking? Wow, that's tough. That's very tough because I love Kansas, but Mitch, when's the last time we've seen a team repeat as a national champion? I believe the last team to even get back to the final four was actually Florida, if yep. I'm not mistaken, after they beat Ohio State in the 06, 07, and then returning there in 07, 08. Houston, there's a giant question mark because they lose their top player with a groin injury in the semifinal of their tournament in Sasser. Uh, we also know Kelvin Sampson dealing with some personal issues after a death in the family. So, you know, where is Houston at there? Purdue, as the biggest guy in the tournament, can he do what he's done, really do what he did in the Big Ten tournament, Mitch, for a few more games for Purdue? And Bama, listen, they're hot. They've been able to deal with all the off-the-court madness this year. It's so hard to pick because this is where it gets crazy. I will say my bold prediction is all four one seeds will win the first round uh, this upcoming opening weekend. Um, I would say, Mitch, right now, and this could obviously change, especially before we probably give our actual predictions on the next show this week. Yes. I would say right now I'm leaning Alabama. I look at where the bracket is. I do think Houston actually got the most favorable draw in the tournament in terms of who their first two round games are even if Sasser is out for the Cougars. But Bama, really, they also have a pretty easy draw up until what could potentially be the Sweet 16. But even then, I think the Elite Eight, they would finally have their first real test of who would come out of the bottom half of the bracket in the South. Kansas, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, the defending national champions, but they have a gauntlet, in my opinion, of a bracket. And the thing with Purdue, Mitch, they've always had these big men. The officiating in March Madness is always a little bit different than what it is in league play. I saw a stat that Zach Eady has more games this year with no fouls called six than he does in games played where he has three fouls or more. He only has two games this year where he's eclipsed three fouls, which he ended with four fouls. And that means four games with three fouls, which is absolutely incredible for a seven foot four big man. Um, but 
every conference officiates a little differently and every team plays a little differently. We'll have to see how teams attack him. I would like to see Purdue make a run because obviously in the big 10, um, Matt Painter has been there for a while. I think Purdue's very talented after winning the big 10 championship in a squeaker yesterday over Penn state. But I feel like the, the big question is how does Edie and every big man they've had like Isaac Haas in uh, recent memory for Purdue, how do they stack up moving forward? Can they stay out of foul trouble? And if they can, this is a team that very well can win it all. But if they can't Mitch, their team and the way they facilitate on offense just goes away. And it obviously helps when you have a seven foot four man in the paint, you can kick it to. And as soon as the double comes, you find the open man on the floor. I'm going to say it's Alabama as it stands right now, though, is the top one seed that I think makes it all the way to the final four. Looking at the, the uh, first round potential matchups, I think Alabama might actually have the easiest uh, run to get to, but I, I'm looking at Houston as well. Houston's a very solid team. Houston's had a couple of hiccups throughout the season, but overall they've been a very solid team. Uh, and you look at some of the games that they'll have coming up here. They saw off obviously with Northern Kentucky and then could potentially face off at schools of the likes of maybe some big 10 opponents like Iowa and Indiana in the second and third rounds, respectively. Uh, and then you get past some of the teams on the other side of the Midwest. You have teams like Texas, uh, you have Xavier, the third seed. You could have uh, somebody in the mix of Texas A&M, who's a seven, a potentially dangerous seven, if, if that. Um, I don't know. It, it's going to be very interesting for me to uh, be able to sit down and, and uh, go over the games this week as I do my bracket. By the way, that's the whole thing, too. Are we past the days of printing out your brackets and like writing them down? Because I feel like everything now is just on an app that we use on our phones and it is convenient, no doubt, but okay, there we go. Okay. I like that. Now wait, like that. now they're not, they're not written down. I did print what I did, but yeah. every year I actually do print a blank bracket and either a write in what I think happens. And then also have another one where I actually write the results of the team that advance. call me old fashioned or crazy. That's fine. I just think there's a lot of fun in that. Yeah. Um, being able to kind of track, and write it in yourself and see what happens. But yeah, Mitch, I made sure to fill out a mock bracket. This is not what I imagine my final bracket's going to look like, um, but I did print it out because I love having it in front of me. Because um, on your phone, you can only see so many quadrants at once. Yeah. Here, I can really look at the entire field of 64 teams to see what I really like and you know keep track of it a little bit easier. That's nice. Nice job point, uh, printing out in portrait mode, by the way. You got the whole, you got that big portion of paper there left for your notes. I like that. Uh, but no, I, I like to, I like to print them out still as well. I used to do like one official bracket and then one bias bracket. That's kind of what I, I like to do. I always wanted to be the one where you'd see those advertisements for the upcoming tournament. And it would be the, the, the them lampooning on the fact that people do brackets this time of year. And I always wanted to have that one scenario where it looked like what are the, what are those things you see in TV or movies where somebody's got like this conspiracy and they have like these things lined up on a board. They have like these pictures and, files oh. lined up on a thing it's it, I, I i understand the fact that it's supposed to be like this person's so crazy that they've been detailing it for this long but i've always wanted to have like that sort of setup in my office or whatever being like okay let's see murray state well let's see their average of 43.6 points per game versus uh aau aac uh aacc opponents this year might lend them to a 7-10 upset over the likes of clemson here okay so now we go over to this one here where duke has been really struggling in the second half of games so far this year you have game, you have matchups where against the likes of big 10 opponents iowa ohio state and michigan they've only been really able to shoot 46.7 percent from the three-point line this year 
I sound insane just in audio form. If you're listening here in your car or at home, I mean, imagine if I had like a whole bunch of yarn and pens and, and like pen marks on a board. Like if I could just take this, um, I have a whole white wall back there behind the bed. You could just use that whole thing there. I don't even know what I'm doing at this point. This segment, hey. this bit went absolutely nowhere. Um, we're just going to talk. We're going to save this for uh, this, the, the latter part of the week. Uh, where basically we're going to th- go through all of our picks uh, and we will crown our predetermined national champion. What we, The picks that we have will be the national champions here in the next couple of weeks. Guarantee it. No doubt. Warren Buffett will owe, owe us $1 billion by the end of this month. So it will be uh, all set. Um, you're going to, you know, if you win that, are you going to split some? Because I already told myself, you know, if I win the perfect bracket challenge, I'll split it with you a little bit. You never said that. Well, well now I'm you're saying, saying on here, so I mean, I guess it's on record. I mean, it's on so the record. there you go. Yeah, I, mean, I, wanna, I wasn't just going to mention it back in October. I mean, now, now it's legit. We have brackets. We can fill out a crazy amount of different options, and you know, maybe if I hit it, I'll, I'll you know share some of the pot with you. Well, I appreciate that. So anyway, here we go. Uh, next final segment here on the next. Uh, we'll, we'll come back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Hey there, folks. This is Mitch Spinell, and I want to give you guys a quick message regarding 988. If you don't know what 988 is, it was created to make it easier to remember how to get help in the event of a mental health or addiction crisis. This is different than a medical, fire, or police emergency where 911 should still be called immediately. 988 connects you with Stark County's Crisis Center, which is equipped to help people in emotional distress or experience a mental health or addiction crisis. So remember, 911 for medical, fire, and police emergency help, and 988 for support in overcoming a mental health crisis in Stark County. Are you trying to increase your speed, quickness, vertical leap, and agility? If so, NST Sports Performance is for you. NST trains athletes ages 5 through pro. NST designs each program specific to the athlete's needs, goals, and sports. For more, visit nstsports.com. Locations in North Canton and New Philadelphia. It's nstsports.com. It takes a lot of practice to have a winning team. Alban Title has over 100 years of combined experience handling real estate, title, and escrow transactions. They serve Tuscarawas, Stark, Carroll, Harrison Counties, and more. So choose Alban Title for your next home refinance, sale, or purchase. They'll get it done quickly and professionally. Contact Alban Title at 330-334-5800 or visit their website, albantitle.com. Let them put their experience to work for you. Hard work is something you're accustomed to. Van Nostrand Young understands that principle. Our access is achieved with organizations like Grange Insurance, Safety and prevention specialists utilize our VanCan assessments process to ensure that you and your colleagues are in the best hands. You want the safest environment for your business, and we can guide you there. Call Van Nostra and Young Insurance in North Canton at 330-497-1867. If you're purchasing a new home, the team at Hartzler's Quality Housing is here to help. Take advantage of record low interest rates to make your new home a reality. Locally owned and operated since 1978, Hartzler's Quality Housing has the experience to guide you through the process. 
You'll find a wide selection of model homes on site to fit any budget. Open six days a week just off I-77. You can also visit them online at Hartzlers.com. Hartzlers Quality Housing. Quality from start to finish. You deserve the best. And at Ferris Chevrolet Buick Cadillac Toyota, that's what you get. We consider you the customer to be part of our family. Anybody can make promises, but when you visit Ferris, you get the Ferris deal from a Ferris wheel. So if you're looking for a car, truck, or van, think Ferris. Wendy's without the Wendy's app is like nugs without the sauce. <gasps> or a Frosty without the fries. <gasps> or a hamburger without the fresh beef. No! Level A. Get the app to order ahead, order delivery, earn free food, and get app-exclusive offers. One app, all the Wendy's. Offer for a limited time at participating Wendy's. Terms apply. App registration required. Fresh beef available in contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada. Get out of the dugout and onto the field with help from Velocity Sports. Velocity Sports is a baseball and softball training academy with locations in North Canton and Canal Fulton. Our new Canal Fulton features 10,000 square feet of training space with six cages for hitting and pitching and a large commercial weight room. Velocity Sports will sharpen your skills and get you in the starting lineup. For more info, go to VeloSportsOhio.com. And we're back here on the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. Final segment here, Mitch Bedell, Mitchell Ballard. Mitch, let's go back to baseball, man, because not only are we, uh, are we approaching the start of the regular season in Major League Baseball, it is uh, now time for the World Baseball Classic. The, uh, what is it, every four years tournament we usually have between some of the top uh, uh, teams in or across the globe. We've seen a number of games so far since the start of this past uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. This past Tuesday was the first of a batch of the games, uh, and we've seen a number of, of good performances so far. We saw our uh, home country end up taking a game earlier this week uh, against the likes of Britain, and last night was where it got a little rough. Last night was rough, and we saw United, the United States lose 11-5 to to Mexico in a game that didn't even feel that close. A six run game wasn't even that close. You, you and I were talking about this uh, off of the air the batting for the United States can, can put some stuff together. It's really just some of the pitching right now, which kind of feels like a B and C squad for what we know the American pitchers in, in major league baseball can, can accomplish. Yeah, Mitch, we mentioned it, obviously, like you just said, the lineup the United States has is phenomenal stacks up against the best, which most people in talks of just the names in the world baseball classic would argue that it stacks up right next to the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, but the pitching is a major factor as it is for any baseball team. That's trying to win. Adam Wainwright started game one, Mitch. This is a pitcher who is obviously at the end of his career. Uh, he gave up a home run to the second batter of the game uh, against uh, great Britain. Now, obviously he was able to settle in after that, but last night against Mexico, the United States just did not have a whole lot of arms. They had a couple of names you'd know, Brady Singer being one of them, the top, one of the top pitchers in this up and coming Royals team in Kansas City. But even he got rocked around a bit. And now the U.S. has gotten past it before. And obviously, you can get some big performances out of older players or unproven players in terms of what they've done in Major League Baseball. But at the end of the day, the confidence level you have as a team 
Whereas if you're going up against another team like Alcantara, that I believe pitches for Mexico, if I'm not mistaken. If it's not Mexico, it's another team in the World Baseball Classic. Knowing that if you're the United States, you could potentially face someone like that who won the NL Cy Young Award last year, and you could put up somebody that's either A, been in the majors for two, three years, or at the tail end of their career, I wouldn't feel too great. The bullpen, though, was where the United States could maybe have some help. But last night, Mitch, they had no help in that loss to Mexico, and it was really a brutal loss for the team that won the last World Baseball Classic. And now they are kind of in a spot where they play a Canada team tonight that has some major league talent. Obviously, former MVP Freddie Freeman, who plays for Canada because he is Canadian. It's going to be a tough task for the U.S. And, you know, who they throw, I don't have in front of me, but you almost have to hope that you just get a quality start, even if you get three, four runs, and that your offense, a lineup that is just incredible. I believe one of the mock lineups had actually Trey Turner batting eighth. Now he's obviously moved up into the top three. Uh, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, Nolan Arenado. Paul Goldschmidt, Mitch, if that's your top five, that's a scary top five. Then you have someone else like JT Real Muto, who's one of the better hitting catchers in baseball in your lineup. This team is stacked all over the field, especially in terms of names of faces across Major League Baseball that everybody knows, either through the All-Star game, MVPs, gold gloves, Sports Center top 10 plays, web gems, whatever it may be. You just got to find a way to get some of this pitching. And now there are players, Mitch, that can play for different teams that have, have the opportunity and can choose. Freddie Freeman could choose to play here, but he obviously goes to Canada. Lars Newtbar. Mm. People might be saying, what? Lars Newtbar? What kind of backyard baseball made-up name is that? No, folks, that's a real player who plays for the St. Louis Cardinals that is playing for Team Japan, if I'm not mistaken, because his mom is from Japan. And when you have that, much like if you're born in the United States, you're a citizen. When you have that connection, you can go back and play for that country uh, he actually, it was funny. There was a clip that surfaced of him, Mitch. I don't know if you saw it or not during an exhibition for Japan where team Japan broke it down and Lars Newtbar is just kind of standing there in the back. Yeah. Cause he has no idea what's going on because his mom is the connection there. He has never <laughs> lived or really learned the Japanese language. And he's just kind of sitting there thinking, okay, well, well let's go play baseball and win baseball games now. Um, but that's, what's kind of cool. And you see other players like obviously Cal Quantrill, of our Cleveland guardians on the or on team Canada. Cause he's Canadian. I believe Bo Naylor, if I'm not mistaken, also on that team. Um, there's, there's a number of guys from the guardians that are playing on different teams. Richie Palacios as the Netherlands he's mm-hmm. playing for, if I'm not mistaken. So just wonder if you can find a way, but at the same time, I don't, I don't bash any of these players that play for the respective country because you see, and that's what I love about the world baseball classic, the pure emotion that you see in the seventh inning of a game or the sixth inning of a game from these players representing their country is unmatched. It almost is a cross between the college world series and the world series in baseball, because obviously the higher the pressure intense situation, the more emotion comes out. I love it. So I can never fault a player going to play for their respective country, but you just sometimes wonder, is there a way you could get some of those guys to stay and play for team USA when they have the option to play for different teams. And if you could, Maybe this makes the U.S. better, you know, in the next World Baseball Classic. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, even Freddie Freeman was playing for uh, Team Canada this time around, which is very interesting. Um, but yeah, we'll see if the USA can beat Colombia this coming Wednesday in Arizona. We have a number of games going on right now at the moment, actually, and down to Miami and Phoenix. We have Dominican Republic up 4 nothing over Nicaragua. Uh, Colombia is going to take on Great Britain. 
and then Israel will take on Puerto Rico, and then Canada plays the U.S. tonight. That's a must-win for the U.S. if they want to yeah. stay out, if they want to get out of pool play, because it's hard to get out of pool play with a two and two record from what it seems. So uh, we'll have a number of games there throughout the years as well. What do you think of Team Italy? By the way, Team Italy is the most fascinating team. I was going to say their uniforms too, but I was thinking about Great Britain, where first of all, it looks like somebody just went into Microsoft Word, found, took the Arial font and put it on a uniform, which I'll try to put up a, a picture of it if I can. Same, same with Canada too, though. They, they, their lettering is way too big. The lettering is way too big. I have to look up Team Canada now because I don't know what their uniforms look like, but that's why I have a computer here. And the lettering looks normal am i missing something here i just i just think it looks way too big for how plain the rest of the jersey is like it just looks boring on that red jersey um and i think it looks even worse when you compare because i saw people comparing you know country jerseys already when they put great britain and canada next to each other it was like oh my gosh these are these must have been made last minute team great britain is where well uh, they don't have they don't have they were wearing a gray uniform the other night and you can kind of see it in this one that i'm about to share right here but it's this big one up top here that my mouse is around like th this one right here specifically like look at that it looks like yeah. you just took the first font you found on microsoft word and just slapped it on a uniform it looks like those old it, look, it looks like those red Sox uniforms from a few years ago that they tried to make the, the the road uniforms again because that's what it was i think in like the 70s and 80s but it doesn't compare to, to the ones that we grew up with and the ones they eventually went back to a few years ago. Uh, but Team Italy, obviously, is a very fun little little team. They have the espresso machine in the dugout, which is interesting. That might that legitimately might be a tonic that we have not tapped into in sports because espresso does get you energized, but it's such a it's such an off brand thing for baseball compared to like your Gatorades and your and whatever stimulants you have to use. And then uh, our last thing with baseball, we had some interesting news that came through. Uh, you sent me this, and I was very surprised by this. Maybe not so, but I, I was just not expecting the news. Trevor Bauer is signing with the Yokohama Dina Bay Stars. Did I get that right? I don't know. Of the Nippon Professional Baseball Organization in Japan. This is a guy that three years ago was a Cy Young winner, and because of what happened, the, the, the legal matters what happened afterwards, is that a is that a major league baseball? It's fascinating. It is, and it's it's tough to see, especially. Um, obviously, they let everything play out. It was found that he was found not guilty, um, but at the same time, it's more so the image of what would the backlash be when signing a player like this. I mean, Mitch, we lived it firsthand last year in a completely different sport. Uh, signing a quarterback to the biggest contract in NFL history with the baggage that came with it. Ultimately, though, it also could be something they need to see him perform before another team would take a risk on him. I still think Trevor Bauer has a lot of baseball left in him. I think uh, the what he showed you in his run, obviously, in Cleveland as he continued to get better before he was dealt to Cincinnati and then signed with the Dodgers in the, in the brief stint he had with them shows you he can be a top-of-the-rotation pitcher not a one spot, a two spot then for sure. Now you say, okay, if he goes over there and shows out, is he back? He's not really facing the major league hitters you'd face over here. It's a fair argument to make, but at the same time, you just want to see what he looks like at this point. Um, there's also, I mean, the fact that he's been very critical of Rob Manfred and maybe teams aren't okay signing somebody that's been as critical as he has been of the commissioner of baseball. Um, but I still, 
to a degree wish Trevor Bauer was in a major league uniform pitching for a team this year. And maybe he does. We'll, we'll have to wait and see, but very shocking news that he is going across the world to play baseball. We got some surprise. It's surprising news. And we also have some surprising news coming through at the end of our show. I wish we had a little breaking news uh, ticker that maybe I'll put one in, but this is from Mike Garofolo from four minutes ago. The Raiders are closing in on a deal for quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo, sources say, after six seasons and a Super Bowl appearance for the Niners, Jimmy G is headed on his way to Vegas, the site of this season's Super Bowl. So I knew it. I knew that that was going to have an effect, that Jared Stidham signing to the Broncos. They're basically just adding room to give Jimmy his $25 million, which is insane. But, hey, the Raiders, if there's any team that's going to take an opportunity like this, it's those gambling Las Vegas Raiders. And I am here for it. All right. So uh, before we go, Mitch, any thoughts on that sign before we get to your fact of the day? I, I think it makes sense. Like we had mentioned earlier on the show, I believe segment two, it ultimately them letting Stidham go really opened the door. And if they weren't going to get Jimmy G, I think it was probably going to be Baker, maybe Jacoby, because we know those three quarterbacks want to start, but it just made the most sense. Now he's back with a coordinator and, you know, obviously head coach and Josh McDaniels that he was with the beginning of his career in New England. Um, it makes sense for both sides. And he has a proven wide receiver to throw to in Devontae Adams. And Josh Jacobs is still there. This isn't a team, Mitch, I necessarily want to write off as many issues as they have, but it just hurts them because they're in the division that they're in. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays off, plays out. But, hey, Jimmy G got paid. The Raiders got their quarterback moving forward, at least for the next season. We'll have to see how it plays out. I'm intrigued. Well, that's where we're going to end our show. Before we sign off, I want to hear the fact of the day from our own Mitch Fowler. Mitch, what you got? Mitch, it's a fact of the day because it can be proven, but it's more so just a big congratulations to the Mount Union Purple Raiders men's basketball mm. team who are still dancing and have danced their way to their first ever final four appearance in the Division Three men's basketball tournament. They defeated Wisconsin Oshkosh this past Friday, no, Saturday night, excuse me, at Mount Union, the Elite Eight. They will now take on Wisconsin Whitewater in the Division Three Final Four. Mitch, did, have Mount Union and Wisconsin Whitewater ever met in any sport? I'm trying to think if they have any kind of history together. I don't, I don't know. They may have met a Maybe few times in football, if I'm not mistaken. But it's, uh, it's, 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 it's a very once in a while thing between these two schools. Well, if you're going to do that, I'm going to shout out another one of my, our local. Uh, well, not even a local team; it's a local player. So the College of Charleston is one of the participants in the upcoming NCAA tournament. They'll take on San Diego State. Why am I telling you this, the viewers? Because a former Indian Valley basketball star, Dalton Bolin, is in his final season of college basketball. Obviously, he played at West Lib for a number of years, ended up taking a spot over at College of Charleston, and he's been show up, showing out so far this season, and he will be participating in the NCAA tournament coming up this Thursday against the Aztecs. So congratulations, Dal Dalton, and the rest of them. I ended up uh, – we go back because I played travel baseball with him when he was – uh, in Janaden, and I was in Strasburg. A number of those guys I still keep in contact with. Uh, just wanted to say congratulations to him. And I also wanted to say thank you so much for listening or watching to the Big Time Sports Podcast Show. <laughs>